I just wanted to make sure I wasn't blowing out my own ear because <laughs> I turned it all the way up on this thing, you know what I mean? Get that moonshine, Dave Cutler. Ah, did you watch my episode with the new employee, Tori? Yeah. Uh, her boyfriend stopped by to pick up some rodents, and his buddy made it. Okay. So it's like local stuff. Nice. Our buddy I expect it to be better than the stuff from Jason Bigler in episode <laughs> one or two. I think that that's that's that pretty much our low point, right? Whatever. We'll see if we can. We'll see if uh, Dave's buddy pulls it off. <laughs> as far as undercutting and getting getting setting a worse drink than you've experienced. <laughs> Whoa! That just gave me the chills. I mean, it looks like some straight shine. There's no. It's just clear. He he said it was a hundred and forty proof. Ooh. That's a lot of proofs. Yeah, that's that's seventy percent. It's like rub. It's like alcohol mine's 90 proof this was from uh, marshall platts marshall law morphs Ooh, thanks marshall yeah dude i wish you could try this one it, you, i don't know if it's you sent it to the wrong address though <laughs> <laughs> it's a jefferson's ocean aged at sea it's voyage 19 so they i guess they they basically they take it on a voyage and age it at sea in a ship I'll, i'm gonna read the little thing to you because that the bourbon barreled for Ocean Voyage 19, once again uses this in its mash bill, it's small grain instead of the typical rye, <clears throat> reminiscent of Voyage 15, the less flavorful wheat allowed the sweetness of the corn to build through the maturation process. Once barreled and put to sea, the bourbon was immediately and continually influenced by salt air and constant movement of the ship. Ocean Voyage 19 traveled to 30 ports on five continents and crossed the equator four times in the process which crossing there was an extreme contrast in temperature as the ship transitioned from winter to summer and vice versa without the buffer of spring and fall. Extreme heat caused the sugars of the corn to caramelize in the wood and work their way into the bourbon as the wood contracted with the extreme fall in temperature. So uh, I'm pretty it's excited. It's a cute story. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's Take true. It. I don't know. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Uh, mine's not smooth. <laughs> mine's it's not the court. smoothest that I've ever had in my life, but it's not bad. It's definitely good. Mine tastes like corn at one point. Straight and maybe corn. syrup. So I know you said you wanted to do some like uplifting stuff on this one. Is that because I feel I'm feeling some down and out energy from you, dude, even from across. The well, the last episode, I think there was. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you know, I, I was just thinking, um, you know, the whole world is going through some pretty serious stuff right now. You know what I mean? And I think that, uh, I I mean, I don't know. Every, everybody's in a little bit of a, a different situation. But yeah, I definitely. think for people that, you know, kind of, uh, so, some of us tend to su- succumb to our surroundings or situations, right? And we allow the things that happen to us dictate who we are or the way that we feel or the state of living and being that we're in and there's a lot of stuff happening right now so you know i was just thinking if anybody is out there that's that's listening to us on this stuff that's kind of feeling that way might be uh i don't know beneficial for everybody to include it in the rhetoric sure i'm 100 percent down with that idea 
I'm fortunate to be somebody who my surroundings, I mean, they, they can affect me and they do. I, I do allow them to at times, but for the most part, I've got pretty good control over my emotions, regardless of my surroundings. I'm feeling pretty fortunate for that to be the case. I don't know what I have to attribute that to. Maybe they're just the different areas I've been in where I was able to feel good about stuff. And also I'm not, I'm not really going through it that bad. You know what I mean? I, I, I bet there's way more people going through it harder than I am. I'm sure there's people that have it better than me, but I imagine there's, but that's the other thing, man. It's like, that's not just the case for now, just because we have this thing going on. That's a worldwide idea, you know, ordeal that everybody seems to be on the same page with. And well, not on the same page, like politically necessarily, obviously, because I'm still seeing lots of a divide there. But it is something that is being pushed super hard in the media. I've never seen the media push anything this hard before, I don't think, on a global scale. Not, and because it is affecting the entire world, right? Right, Pretty much most countries yeah, that's, have Yeah, that's the crazy thing, right? And now that we have the ability to kind of communicate with people all over the world, I know a lot of my contacts and friends in other countries and stuff are talking about just the different of you know impacts the whole coronavirus thing is having all over the place but you know i, I think uh, our health and our finances are two of the places you can hit us the hardest as humans definitely and try and knock us down you know so and those are the two things being affected the most right now right exactly yeah i can't imagine being in new york in an apartment right now that that seems like it's the <laughs> yeah. one of the more tough places to be in the world at the moment yeah just where you're already stressed out and twisted the max and living on top of each other and yeah i don't know it's uh it's pretty nuts you know but i i don't know i i have a lot of people like friends that live basically in the middle of nowhere you know podunk usa that are kind of freaking out and they're like well we don't have anything going on here but we don't know what's going to happen you know and and they're so it's more a little bit for there it's more the unknown that's getting to them right yeah i mean the more you hear they're hearing about it just as much as anybody else and, you know, a lot of them have the same kind of, you know, mandated uh, regulations as to where they can go and who they can be with. Yeah, my but, cousin, um, my cousin works at a hospital out here. She's a nurse and she's actually been off work because she contracted it. She's been positive for it. Um, and for her, it's been kind of like a flu type symptoms. She's been having fever. And she, it was a couple of rough days or whatever, but she's been on a low grade fever for kind of extended period of time. But the thing that was interesting for me to hear from her was that she said their hospital is like at an all-time low as far as patients. Like they've got two whole wings that are usually full, just shut down. And they have lots of people called off just because they don't have any patients. So Yeah, of- I've heard the same thing. It's, it's amazing. Uh, one of my buddies that works in the hospital was saying uh, it's amazing how many people, it just makes him realize how many people are there unnecessarily. Because people are like, well, I don't want to go to a hospital right now. I might get the coronavirus, you yeah. know. So they just deal with whatever it is they have at home. Right. You that know? makes that makes sense as to why that's happening. Sure. So, but anyways, yeah, I I don't know. Before I guess we get into the podcast, maybe we should do the uh, dive deep and the shallow end. I've got something I've been thinking a lot about, and uh, I actually know that you have a little bit of experience with this topic. So I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. I, I kind of want to jump in here, and I, I may, based on this dive deep in the shallow end segment, make a a you know a minor life change depending on how it comes out. I don't All know. Right. Well, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I can tell. I mean, we haven't spoken that much, but just in the small amount we've spoken since the last podcast, and just your vibe. I can. Tell there's something. I know there's something going on there. What what is it? What, break it on me. 
Well, you know, this is unrelated. We're going to go on left field here because this is uh, this is everything else. But I'll, I'll tell you what, if you guys aren't on the Searchable as Reptiles Facebook group, jump on there and tell me too. That's literally one of my favorite places to be. And I just love the feedback off of these ridiculous, ridiculous podcasts that we do. So um, here's the question of the of the uh, of the hour. Uh, I remember, and this is where your experience came from. Do you remember a video when you took one of your snakes outside and you, you're like, oh, we'll let her, I, th- I think it was, um, oh, I'm blanking on her name, the big albino that you like. I've done a lot of it. I used to have a whole segment that I would do We're, at least once a month that was called Snakes in the Grass and I'd bring snakes outside. It was so. Snakes in the Grass, but it was your favorite snake. What's the big albino one? Oh, Halo. Halo, yeah. You had Halo outside. And she didn't want to touch the grass, and she was going like from stepping stone to stepping. Oh, that was stone. actually the purple, but that was Betsy Ross. Yeah. Oh, Betsy I know Ross. Exactly That's what you're talking about. Yeah. She, the grass was just yeah. like, no, please, please. What is this? Yeah. Poking. I don't want to touch this. I, I think she wanted this. nothing to do with it. Yeah, definitely. I remember that. Okay. So wh- this is where I. So just to provide a little bit of background, this that it has to do with that. Um, but the background to why I'm even thinking about it is because. One of the things that we're doing differently here right now is we're not shipping snakes. We're selling them. People oh, are, are well, I'm not shipping snakes right now. No, because there's a bunch of places where FedEx is saying they have two and three day delays, mm. you know? And so I think some people are shipping and it's getting there fine, but I know FedEx is currently not guaranteeing on-time arrival. I, I shipped a snake from Forest Auction and I, at that time, it, everything seemed like it was working okay. I haven't... I'm looking to potentially ship some snakes next week. I mean, obviously, I'll check with uh, ship your reptiles and everything, and see. Yeah, what I've been say checking week by week, and it's it. So far, things are continuing to shut more and more down. Like they're not. Uh, some places are not doing the uh, signature required delivery, like to your door. Yeah, I read about is, that. Whether or not, yeah, because they don't want the uh, worker to have don't to want go the exposure. Person person. I don't want to leave a snake out on the porch. You know what I mean? So you got to pick it up at a hub. But a lot of areas, hubs are closed. They're minimally staffed. Lots of people are ordering from home, so they're just kind of swamped right now is what they're is the story i'm getting on that gotcha. but so because of that i have i think probably like a hundred more hatchlings than usual because i have shipped one snake out this season <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but the snakes really started hatching right around the time that this started going down you know so um so i've been dealing with the babies a lot and one of the things about me, if you guys have never seen me before, since this is an audio-based venue, is that I've got these scruffy arms. You know, when I lived in Indonesia, all the girls like used Popeye. to make fun of me. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, generally fairly hairless dude. But yeah, I've got the Popeye arms. And the, the girls in Indonesia used to be like, why don't you shave your arms? You look like an orangutan. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks, the great red ape. That's me. But... um I've been playing with these hatchlings and they do exactly what your snake was doing in that video on the grass. They crawl on my arm and they're like, oh, oh, I like it. Oh, oh, it feels weird. Oh, I don't like it. And I think to them, it's like me holding a scaleless snake. You're like, oh, oh, it's so weird. You know, to them, they're like, oh, crawling on this red ape. It's so gross. And they're trying not to touch my arm hair. Yeah, my, my arm hair is significantly less by the time you get up to my sleeve. So they just tuck and run for the sleeves and then they're okay. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my snakes have to go to the grass for that because uh, even the Caucasian side of my family, like my grandfather never shaved in the, the army. 2% like the Irish side, that you were. Yeah, the Russian and whatever. There's not much hair going on there. Then you add the island side and the Filipino side and that's <laughs> even less hair. I Most people have more hair in their arms than me. 
Like some people look at my arms and say, do you shave them? I, I think most people have more hair on their foreheads than you have on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> so but, where is this going? So you don't, <laughs> so you don't have this problem maybe. But what I'm wondering is, I talked to my wife about this. I said, you know, when I was in football, one of our wide receivers would shave his legs because he taped his socks down and he wanted to be aerodynamic. I said, a lot of runners do it. My uncle swimmers did that do when it. he was in high school. He shaved his legs to be faster and he actually held for the record. swimming or running? He held the record for the mile at his high school like till I went there. I mean, you can't argue with success, right? <laughs> so here I am, a professional reticulated python breeder by definition. These guys are just farting around in high school and they're shaving their arms and legs. And I mean, I'm not the shave your arms kind of a guy necessarily, but at the same time, I mean, if like that different wetsuit might look weird, but it gives you the advantage of a tenth of a second off your Olympic time, you know, and I'm handling these snakes on a regular basis, more than ever, because I want everyone's snakes to get like some personal attention so that they're like desensitized when they get to them. So my question is this. Purely speaking from a professional vantage point, should I shave my arms so that the snakes are more comfortable on me? Or should I just consider it exposure therapy and rub them in my scruffy old self and be like, get used to it? Well, I would say move to long sleeves, but I have been in your room several (laughs) times. It is fairly warm in there. I don't know if long sleeves would... So you, either way, I feel like you're going to be sacrificing some of your comfort for the snake's comfort, which is commendable, definitely. Um, I can tell you that I haven't done this in a long time and I don't do it often, but I have recently been shaving my balls. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure you, anyone snakes. could tell anyone that the question is, Brian, should anyone ever tell anyone else that I just told you, it's just, I mean, I, mean, I feel like the people on, that need to know are going to find out without you telling them. We're on the subject, so, I mean, we're talking about shaving body hair. and Not unless you're rubbing them on your snakes, buddy. Which, <laughs> please don't tell me if you do that. I don't think we could be friends anyway. Well, they live really close to my main snake. So, I think that it's, it's definitely a personal decision to, A, do it, and B, tell anybody about it after you do. I'm talking about your arms now. Um, oh, okay. But... They tend, from what I understand, when you shave any haired area, it tends to come back with a vengeance. So that might Uh, be something to keep in mind. So I'll be even scruffier, redder ape at that point, huh? Yeah. So we'll we'll just wax them. Yeah. There's also electrolysis. I was considering that for the uh, for the old balls. (laughs) You're taking this pretty seriously over here. Well, I mean, it's funny that you that this is the subject you want to bring up with shaving hair because it's it's definitely something new. I've have a little extra time on my hands around here, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, you you have managed it fine so far. You know, yeah. keep maintaining your manly image and having no hair on your arms. But uh, I'm a little bit concerned. I was thinking, if I shave my arms, do I then have to get like tattoo sleeves to cover it up? And still I'm not cool. sure that a manly image is something that I really. I mean, maybe that's how you see me. I'm not sure if that's everybody. Mm, I thought you were gonna say you're not sure manly image is really how way you think about me. So, but oh no, okay. you're, you're. I feel like you're more manly than I am. In in a lot of yeah. ways. Yep. Yep. I agree. So shaving the arms, I don't think it'll be a big deal. <laughs> so to I shave or not it. to shave, hey, guys? It's something different. Shave them, bro. It's, Give them a it's, have you ever uh, shaved them before? If you never have, it's it's time to experience new things and, and branch I, out. <laughs> I 
burnt my leg hair off before doing the like stay on the campfire as long as you can and last one off what loses but i was an deal. incidental so i had accident. hairless legs that was an incidental accident i mean it happened but that wasn't well, i'm just goal, saying right? i have some experience with smoothness <laughs> but not not in the arms not in the arms and then you know here's the other thing like so i don't really care what people think but when people find out i'm a snake breeder they have all kinds of questions for me Having shaved arms, people are going to be like, now, why do you shave your arms? This is why I was thinking I might have to get tattoo sleeves. Because if you have tattoo sleeves and shaved arms, nobody says a thing. They, like, shaves his arms because he's van vanity and the tattoos. I don't know. It just seems like but another opportunity. if you just walk to... around with freckly old shaved arms, people are going to be like, why do you shave your it arms? It seems just like say. another opportunity for you to get other people who aren't even into reptiles into super dwarfs. Okay? If you, it's just another in for people to ask you what you do. So... I guess so. I guess so. But yeah, if you guys have any advice for me, I mean, this is something that I am considering. I think it might give me a competitive edge in my snake handling uh, opportunities because this is definitely like all of my snakes notice my hairy arms. You know how they are. You like you hold them and they immediately start crawling up your arms. And mine are like, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, ooh. And then if anybody has, I guess, advice for me as far as uh, a better way than, than shaving, I've heard about the electrolysis thing, but... It sounds like it would be a painful thing and maybe expensive. Muratic acid dip. (laughs) What? What? A muratic acid dip. Muratic acid dip? I feel like that would remove more than hair. Well, I mean, you got to try. I'm going to try something new. No, 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 no. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to keep the numbers Uh, in the hospital down as well. I'm trying to do my part there. Well, I want to know, guys. Is it ridiculous? I mean, you know, I, I like to try new things over here with the reptiles all the time. I, I think that this might actually be impactful because, you know, they're they're basing their reactions to humans based on their experiences with us. And if they're uncomfortable touching things like cut grass, which, by the way, if you don't mow the lawn and you let them out, they don't care. Yeah, it's no, the cut I, grass that they don't I had like. Her out, I had her out here. Um well, not, not Betsy. Actually, I did have Betsy out recently as well. I've been, you know, it's been warming up around here. I've been taking snakes out, doing some snakes out in the grass footage. And I have had Betsy out. I've had Halo out. And neither of them have any opposition to the uncut long grass at all. Right. Yeah. No, it's the, it's the bouncy, stubbly stuff they don't like. Yeah. Like on my own. That's the problem so. with the balls. That's what I'm talking about with the balls. Like we, when you shave them, it's smooth. When it starts to come back in, it's short, it's stubbly, and it's annoying. <laughs> All right. You well, take, yeah. Thank Marshall for sponsoring this month on the on my whiskey. Marshall, I learned, was older than me. Which Marshall's one of those guys that he doesn't seem like he's old based on his <clears throat> attitude. Kind of like Marshall Law me. is timeless. Marshall <laughs> is timeless type of guy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, if you do shave your arms, you're going to have to make sure that you document that. And like, and why you're doing it? That has to be an oh, episode sh- on Reach Our it, It'll be a yeah, it'll be a YouTube video for yeah, sure. And it, ha- you know, I do a lot of educational things, and so if I'm going to shave my arms, it's only going to make me feel better if I get like at least 50 followers to follow suit. You know, like well, Garrett shaved his arms, and look how nice his snakes are. And people always comment how much nicer my snakes are. And if my arms are shaved, nobody can argue with me. And you got to get some nice slow mo. You get your guy that's doing the videos now to uh, mm. do some nice cinematic slow mo shots and make it look all nice and cinematic. Hey, I'm gonna have to watch a the, lot of Gillette commercials or something. You filmed your own last video, that. didn't you? You didn't. He didn't do the last video, right? 
obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just saying it was. It was obvious. <laughs> you're. You're about to say I should go get my money back. Oh, thanks, <laughs> no, bro. I was like. Thanks. I was like. Clearly, your new video guy did not film this last episode. <laughs> <laughs> No, so we did a little bit of a trial run. So he's from out of town. He's got to come in and do a bunch of filming, and we actually have a date to come have him come back and film a whole bunch more for the channel, which really helps me because it, it's all my concepts getting done, but I just have somebody else doing the legwork so I can focus more on the conceptual side. And there's a lot of videos that I think people would like to watch that I would love to tackle, but... I know how much, how big of an effort those types of videos will take. And those are the kind of videos that are like really, really important to few people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like really serious, professional, in-depth stuff. You get less views, but they're highly educational. And it's really good content to have out there. Whereas if I do something stupid and silly, everybody loves it. And like, yay, uh, you know, but <laughs> my, my channel is not, I, I can't consist of that entirely you know what i mean so yeah i like i like silly mm. yeah well i mean it's just a different it's a different type of channel oh yeah definitely you know what i mean it's just like people who listen to this podcast should watch your channel i would <laughs> i would say <laughs> i really do and i really did like you can tell him that i really i think he did a really good job on those videos i was i was very impressed i thought they were very well done I thought it was a really good first stab at it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he, he has to capture our style and our priorities. And you said this yourself that, you know, you do the YouTube stuff because you enjoy it and you like doing the video side of it. It's a way for you to express yourself. For me, it feels like work to make a YouTube video. I like to communicate to people. I like to, you know, try to help them understand things from just from a more, uh, well, I don't even know if it's more experienced perspective, uh, probably is with me talking about superdwarves in particular with most people, but just from another perspective, really. So if I can have somebody who is better at capturing that, has the equipment to capture that, and the time to sit down and edit it in a way that gives it justice, then, you know, I'll do that. But yeah, our last video, you can tell, is very little editing. You know, and we kind of threw that thing together. So yeah, I could just tell by the video quality too, like the image quality, is that it was your GX7 it shot on that. Right. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not the, bad at all. It's still good content. Actually, I just, the I just noticed those little, little things. You know, I don't. I don't think that a Canon ton of GX7 that. is great, but the lighting in my shop is bad. Even if you look at his videos, which are well done, you can tell they're poorly lit. You know, for what we do. So. But Hopefully, it's good though. The, the lighting the new in your facility shop it'll accentuates be the vibe you're going for, man. It's uh, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's that cave-like feeling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh miner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what would you say is like the biggest change for you since all this stuff started happening? Well, the one downside um, for me personally is that we did just have all we were supposed to do all of the art educational shows for the first time that I would be doing oh. them in the entire county. Right. We, we yeah. had booked uh, the entire, every library in the county for this summer. And just a few days ago, they canceled, all the schools have canceled. Of course, you know, I expected that to be coming, but it actually did it's happen. Official. It's official. Yeah. It's not happening. And uh, that was going to be a big revenue stream for going on some trips, like to go visit uh, Justin Lather up, the, up there in, in Washington and, and do some other road tripping this summer. Um, yeah. So that's all seemingly coming to a halt. Um, 
so that's that's the biggest as far as downturns and like that's the biggest thing for me dude the the kids already spend uh, like noah was in a hybrid homeschool type thing so you know him being home and doing school is not that far-fetched i feel like if the kids are older it'd be a lot different there but i mean and don't get me wrong like no matter what happens with things i always look to the upside of whatever's going on so that's just kind of my personality that's how i how i am no matter what's happening so i'm finding all the upsides to everything like getting to spend how about how about like kids. financially has it impacted you in that way um the shows you know we're like i said we're expecting um the revenue from the summer just just from the shows in this county at the libraries was gonna cover um you know all the traveling th- through the summer as well as um many other things so a little bit financially we're not you have to maintain all those reptiles too yeah a lot it takes a lot of reptiles to do educational like people ask me to do educational stuff all the time i'm like i have like 200 of the same snake right that's why different colors i give you a smaller yeah that's exactly yeah so um yeah that it, it is a bit luckily i'm still you know working with freedom breeder and i'm I still got the Patreon thing going. Folks are helping out there. I'm actually about to do a video where I'm going to give away some money on, on my channel just to try and help other people out. I'm still trying to figure out what the details of it are. But we got the little stimulus check rolled in. And um, I I gave up my uh, truck so we're a one-car family right now. Um, oh, wow. And because we don't need that's the second deal. vehicle. We don't need the second vehicle, but that's saving that's saving money there. So I'm, I'm trying to – I'm wanting to be able to – throw some extra money out there to people just a little bit you know just to i don't know part of me was really excited about it but then i always think about there's because there's always somebody out there no matter what you do and i can't help but think about those people for whatever reason i wish i could just completely block the thought out of being like oh giving away money must be nice well like (laughs) but but inside i'm thinking no i gave up a second vehicle like i'm trying to cut down to bare minimum so that we can do things like that, you know? It's not like I'm... But here's the thing that people need to understand. It, it, giving is a very important tenant of a balanced life. I mean, it, it just is. Generosity and giving brings purpose and fulfillment. It, it fulfills you as a person. It does. And, it really does. And regardless of how much money you have, let's say you give... So I don't know... Uh, I don't advertise this a lot. I think I made a post at the beginning of the year just because I do want to talk about like giving and finances more often so that because I think a lot of people, you know, when they're at home, you're a kid, you're you're having dinner at the at the, you know, the table or whatever. And, and you ask the question, hey, dad, how much money do you make? Right. That turns into a really awkward conversation really quick in a lot of American families. Right. It's like, hey, shut up and mind your own business, kid, you know, kind of kind of deal. And, Parents don't even talk about that stuff with their children. M- many parents don't. I think traditionally and culturally we don't. But uh, without kind of understanding how to, how how should you be spending money? What should you be doing with it? And you don't have any example of that, then, uh, I mean, I don't know. How do you know? So I'm shameless. I don't care very much what people think about us and i live you know much too public as anyone who listens to this podcast knows not as public as you i mean mine are arms and yours are balls but you know <laughs> uh, still fairly fairly out there i mean uh i think that's why you and i get along is because we're both kind of open book type of people you know what i'm saying we don't have any secrets to hide neither of us has any energy to be somebody behind the scenes <laughs> that we aren't in front of the scenes right so but uh, anyway, hold on. I think we need another drink. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to the year and arm guy, and I'm a balls guy. <laughs> mm.
Oh, man. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Dave, you're killing me here. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Just pour no, some of that so, stuff on your arms. That'll, that'll get you taken care of. <laughs> this will do that. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is the, the stuff for your dip. I'm going to send it to you, whatever I don't drink. It's in about the right size mason jar, too. I mean, I can get you a smaller one if you need me a little more snug and comfortable. I, I want to tell you the story about one of the first times that I remember having a negative experience trying to give, some, give trying to be a giving person. I was in line at the drive-thru at McDonald's. I was 19. I was going down, I was down there for music school. And my mom had given me these McDonald's certificates, like it was McDonald's money. You know, they're good at McDonald's yeah. and that's it. And you could, it's basically little tear off sheets and they were worth however much money and there's a guy standing right at the beginning of the drive-thru you know the little sign like hungry type of thing you know i was like oh perfect i've got these little things he can go get food i pull up and i, I rip off i was like here you go man here have some have some of these and he, he looks at it, he's like what is this i was like it's this mcdonald's money you can go in there and get food he's like oh, i don't want that and he like threw it back at me i was like what the f-? clearly he didn't he just wanted money not he wasn't hungry but his sign said hungry and i was like this is what the f-? i was pissed i i didn't like get pissed yeah. at him because he was in a much worse situation than me but i was still like what the hell man i was trying to help somebody out and they're just like throwing it back in my face anyway but here's the but thing i me. think <laughs> i think a lot i i mean obviously i don't know anything about that guy but i think a lot of times the mentality that you deserve what someone else has that you deserve their charity is what puts you in that situation in life in the first place. Okay. I had kind of a similar one. When I went to Europe, I had uh, I was in Amsterdam, actually. Someone came up and was begging off of us. And I had a bunch of coins. And, you know, they have a bunch of, like, dollar coins and stuff like that. that out there. coins, Co- yeah. Yeah, there you go, $2 coins and all that. I had a, bu- a bunch of them in my pocket just from, like, accumulated. So I took out this stack, and I was like, here's something. And he's like, you can't even give me paper? Jeez. He walks away. I was like... <laughs> I was like yeah, 20 bucks. Thing. Like, same dang, thing. dude, beggars in Europe are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get those little tiny Cokes for like five bucks. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, the guy was pissed at me. But no, so I like one of the things that we do, I think I, I think I used to make a bigger deal of this and invite people along on like the charity side of things with us more than I do the, now. Uh, the Our Snakes Save Lives deal? Yeah, and that that was stuff that I did where I would just give away whole clutches to charity and come up with fun and creative drives that would get other people involved with the charity that we were benefiting. But um, I made a post about it the beginning of this year, and this year I've done it like I sat down with the books and my CPA, and we do it, you know, religiously at this point, studiously. We give 10% of our proceeds to charity. And that's on top of anything that we do with US Arc. I mean, that's for like water wells in Africa. We do, uh, we give to something called the Daughter Project, which uh, has to do with, uh, you know, people that are in, involved in the sex slave trade, you know, trying to save these girls and, and get them into homes. And there's a number of other charities that we give to, but we take a 10%. And, and we do a lot of local Pittsburgh stuff, you know, feed the homeless and things like that. Um, and my kids get involved in it. Uh, my daughter was actually part of. It, I think it was the largest like uh, meal thing we did for Thanksgiving, and Kira went down and and they we put together the most meals. I, I think it was in the U.S. It might have been Pennsylvania, but I think it was the largest like Thanksgiving you know food drive thing in the U.S. Nice, to that man. point. So you know we do a lot of that kind of stuff, and and to be honest with you, like 
here's the thing, and we draw a percentage. It's 10%. So if we don't make very much money, we're not giving very much money. If we do make a lot of money, we're giving a lot of money. And I think sometimes people have the attitude of like, well, I don't make very much. So my 10% is a lot more painful than the guy that makes a lot of money. Oh, well, I don't know if you go that by that's that, true. If you go by percentage, then, I mean, just numbers-wise, 10% is much more painful than out of the bigger the number is that you're making, that 10% gets bigger and bigger, right? I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's true. You know what I mean? Because if, like, especially if you're sloppy with your finances, you probably wouldn't notice a 10% that's, swing that's up me, or down. me, sloppy yeah. with finances. Yeah, I don't. my donations to US ARC are not... Um, based on percentages they're based on how much whiskey i've had and how stupid i'm feeling well i do that too that's why i say those ones are separate <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. U- u.s arc is not part of the 10 percent that you get whatever gotcha. u.s arc u.s arc is its own thing but uh yeah that's just a social experience but <laughs> and and a lot of fun to give to and stuff yeah, like that and no if i do reptile stuff and thing i just give that out of my pocket you know what i mean but but the business actually gives 10% of, of all of our proceeds away. And I think one of the biggest things that it does is give you a perspective on, on being generous that you don't, that your money, that money is not that important. You know, it, you have to have an attitude of like enough is enough or you'll obsess over it. I mean, a lot of people worry about it. You know, if you have little you worry about it. If you have a lot, you worry about it, I think, even more. You know what I mean? I've never been in the position where I've had a lot of money. But I, I'll tell you, when I was very poor and I never had money, but I still had food and stuff like that, you kind of learn to not worry about it, you know? Yeah, some um, of my happiest times and were I, not having a home to live in and being on the just waking up in Hawaii on the beach and doing yoga, finding a coconut. Like, I was super happy. Sorry, I kind of cut you off there. Yes, no, no, I agree. It's a, it's the same way. And, you know, one of the things we used to go, we, like when I lived in Southern California, we'd go to Tijuana, Mexico a couple times a year and do, you know, projects like building houses for people and stuff like that. And, you know, it's funny, we would go and, and build a house for them and they have a house to live in. But I always think the greatest benefit were, was for me, you know, for us, those of us who went on the trip, because you, you come back with a whole new perspective on life and you learn to be satisfied and happy with what you have. And I think the more money you give away and don't die, the happier you can be because you're like, look, I'm not going to die. Sure. I, I was on a mini YouTube hole earlier and there's a guy, a guy named Scott Storch. He's recorded, he does like most of the production of different melodies and songs for a lot of different hip hop artists. Like probably half of the like catchy hip hop sounds and piano sounds you hear come from scott storch um he had millions millions of dollars and he was just spending like crazy like you know multi-million dollar cars or like 1.7 million dollar cars buying that and he just felt gotten this hole of like despair and like pain and and a misery a life of suffering basically but surrounded with all this money so it just and you hear that but it's interesting to see it actually play out in reality and people that actually have those experiences and share them about how they had millions and millions of dollars at their expenditure, but still they were just miserable and just hating life. Yeah. Like almost killed himself with drugs type of thing, you know? Right. And so I think, you know, opening up and being a little bit loose, you know, one of the things that's funny is they, they're doing the stimulus thing and everything like that. Part of what we're seeing is that people, even people that are okay, people that aren't laid off. It's just, we don't know what's going to happen next. 
You know what I'm saying? So everyone's like, well, maybe I shouldn't spend so much money. Maybe I should hold. I think probably the last month has been the frugalist month in all of America for everybody across the board, right? We're not spending money like we're going to easily make it tomorrow because we don't know. But I'll tell you, if things get really bad, I don't think money is going to be the most important thing after a while. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know exactly like what if you're it, saying. If it really goes downhill, money's, money's not, not going to really. anything. It's not going to get you where you need to be. On the other hand, if you have some money, you have the opportunity to, to give and make a difference in other people's lives, which brings purpose to your own. You know, and I think each one of us has the ability to to change the world and cultivate the things around us. Our, our human nature, we're kind of uh, creative beings that can change our world around us for the better or for the worse. And, you know, you know, the old saying, like a person is smart, but people people are stupid. Yep. Right. And if you look at like human impact on the planet, you're like, wow, that's really bad. But as an individual, you actually can make the choice to stand up and make the world around you a little bit of a better place. You know, that's something we I used love to do st- camping. Like when we go camping, the rule was that we leave the place cleaner than it was when we got there. You know, go yeah, that's and- a great one. Yeah. One thing, one great idea I do with my kids, like um, those of you guys that are in like reptiles, you go herping, you go outside. Summer is here. You know, reptile amphibian season is here. But we've always already. Yeah, we've caught a couple of frogs and and uh, some snakes and crayfish and things like that. But when we go hiking, we grab uh, some grocery bags and we take them with us and the kids collect trash. You know what I mean? So we go in the woods, we find trash and things like that. We we walk along the side of the road and uh, we take a wagon. It was actually my daughter, Kira, again, little our, she's our little, you know, environmentalist. Um, but... Uh, she, she'd be like, Dad, can we go for a walk today? Let's take the wagon and get so much trash. And it was just like, <laughs> how can you say no to that? And the That's other awesome. kids learned too, like, we can get Dad to get off his lazy duff and take us outside if we tell him we're going to go get trash because I'm like, I respect that. <laughs> I'm like, how, speaking of that, how is, how is outside life for you guys? Are you guys going outside, out into the wilderness? What's it like? Different places, I guess, are having different experiences with how much you're allowed to go outside. Um, how's it going um, in Pittsburgh? We, yeah, I'm so like where we live. Well, first of all, it's funny in Pittsburgh because typically this time of year, the sun is out. We're starting to get a couple warm weather, you know, days. It's warm one day, it's cold the next or whatever. But on the warm days in Pittsburgh in the spring, it's the happiest place on the planet. It's like everybody's outside. It looks like an old Coca Cola ad around here. Dad and son throwing the ball, and, you know, with the baseball gloves. Yeah, in the I experienced backyard. the same thing in Amsterdam one time. We got there like the first official day of spring not by the calendar yeah. but by the season and we were, yeah i watched that kind of thing happen and everyone's like one time. yay yeah. they go outside and they so this year we're like yay oh oh wait don't get too close six feet people <laughs> stay six feet away so we're like yay big crowds of people perfectly evenly spaced running through the woods you know so that's kind of what it's like we go on a hike and you kind of like meet up with somebody you go hi and then you like semi-circle around each other and then continue on your way but but you so, are getting outside and going yeah, they're and- they're allowing it, and it, the types of places. Even if they were like, you can't go outside anymore. The types of places me and the kids go, like, we, there's we nobody walk there enforcing there. it. Yeah, yeah. We we jump on the railroad tracks and we walk down to the local pond and stuff like that. We take them to Dave Kaufman came out. We took him to Snake Island. He knows how epic that place is. So you know, I actually want to take you there. Sometime, yeah, and, yeah. Next always, time I come out, I want to go there. You you straddle the good season. You have to actually be here in the summer sometime. Mm. You know, so. 
Because you're always either here in the winter or like the fall, you know, like spring well, or fall. October, early basically. spring or fall. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, sometimes good. But yeah, but I'm mean, Snake Island is cool. It's just a little pond that is like chock full of snakes and frogs. I mean, I've never been there and not seen at least five snakes. So it's pretty cool. I told Dave, he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen a place like that. We go there and it's just like snakes everywhere. They like rain out of the trees on <laughs> you. awesome. Yeah, my kids get in their bathing suits, and we have a routine. The girls have, like, five-gallon buckets and bathing suits. And then my boy Garrison, who's about five, the girls are, are nine and almost eight, and uh, they they go down in the creek under this big tree that overhangs the water. It's like a little pond area. And Garrison takes gets a big stick, and he starts whacking the branches, and the, the water snakes bask in the trees up above there. They just dive down, and the girls are like, yay! And they're like... What would be most people's nightmare is like musky, <laughs> bitey little northern water snakes raining down on my young children in their bathing suits. The water is frothing with snakes. And they're like, catch them, fill your buckets, yay. Garrison's whacking this, whacking away at the trees, snakes flying out. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a little bit of a while. Yeah, our but. kids need to hang out again sometime. I can't wait till we all can hang out again, man. We were doing something similar yesterday. We went down to the tide pools, and they're finding uh, – found all kinds of cool stuff that we don't usually see down there these these spider crabs or like sheep crabs and um uh, huh. and i was like at the oh, rate that we we're really? finding cool stuff like I, I i was like almost ready for that octopus to pop up i was like oh, okay octopus is coming today baby i love dude, there's nothing more exciting <laughs> always a good day when you find an octopus yeah yeah dude that is and you know they're in every single one of them you just can never find them. yeah they're masters of camouflage no doubt but I love, yeah. dude, I love finding an octopus in a typo. It's like a, finding a, I might as well have found, I don't know, a diamond or something, you know? It's so yeah. freaking cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's it. And you know what actually has been the cool thing about all this? It feels like it, you know, the, the rat race stuff is gone. Yeah. It, I'm feeling it's that like too. turning back the dial. And it, the funny thing is, I think we're all on social media more than ever, right? Yeah. Actually, but, my little phone, my phone every week, it'll like say, you know how much time screen time whatever for this week just not without me checking it, it'll just pop up and let me know and you know the previous months it had been going down because i've been working on you know staying away from it more it's like oh you're down this much percent the first week of this thing it was like 39 percent up <laughs> screen time Boom. On the phone. <laughs> yeah but the funny thing is i think a lot of us blame technology and social media for robbing us of our physical relational lives you know, on the other hand, we have this weird thing where you're just stuck with your family, better or worse, can't get away from them. You're all there together. And so there's you're consuming a ton of social media. But at the same time, it's like so much quality time spent with the family. You know, it's crazy. All the kids are home from school. You know, but they, they're not like summer vacation is usually different because the kids run away. They're at their friends' houses or their aunties and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. And no, they're just here with you, mom and dad. Like we had Easter. We did the Easter egg hunt in the backyard. And I was watching my kids collect the eggs. And I'm like, you know, I just realized that uh, I've never spent easter just with my family because for us that's mm. one of those holidays that like everybody gets together right, right, right. grandma grandpa aunts and uncles everybody big tradition yeah we do that too and so yeah and and this year it was just us so i don't know it was weird it was cool we're like how would we do easter if nobody was looking you know i, I was on a zoom session with uh some family we've been doing that every saturday actually uh, i'll get together with 
well, I think last Saturday we had about 11 or 12 different screens on, you know, different aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody gets together in Saturday morning and we'll all have a little Zoom session. You know, people that aren't using Zoom, it's a multi-screen kind of like Skype thing. You get, you know, it's a big No one Skype. knew what it was until now, but now we all know what Zoom is. Yeah, yes. so Zoom is it's a nice program. It's made for that, for having group chat sessions, video chat sessions, basically. And uh, we were doing that during our Easter celebrations, um, running around the yard with the kids. I had it on the cell phone, you know, at that time, running around the yard, hanging out with everybody on the, the Zoom chat. And we'll be doing it again this Saturday and every Saturday, I think, until this is over. <laughs> um, and also, I think we're going to start doing some get-togethers with other people on this Zoom stuff just to kind of hang out virtually and and have that happen. And also, speaking of being stuck at home with family, and I'm putting out a, a music video on uh, Monday that was all inspired by this. With this your family? Yeah, with the family, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Did Hillary start her podcast thing with the... <laughs> oh, man, I wish that she was down here. I, I, I'd yell, but I I don't want to be too... I've, I do have a neighbor. I don't want to scare my neighbor. I have to yell very loud for Hillary to hear me up there. Um, <laughs> but no, she hasn't. And I'm going to give oh, her a hell. lot of crap for having not. And I'm going to tell her... That that was that's been a month now. You know how much free time that woman has had to that's a lot of free do podcast. Time. Like, and don't get do me wrong, it. she's doing a lot. The kids are home twenty four seven. She's she's mom. She's cooking meals. She's taking care of everybody. But I do see her spending a good amount of time just kind of scrolling through whatever. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna give her crap. Okay, get on it, Hill. We want to hear it. So anyway, I, I don't know. I think I think my big uh, takeaway from all this kind of stuff is is basically like instead of like the dude at McDonald's that feels entitled to your cash when you're the kind of guy who uses McDonald's coupons, you're sharing what you have with him and he's like, no, I deserve more. Right. And you, yet you're not living on the street and begging other people for your money, but you're living off McDonald's coupons. You know what I'm saying? Instead of being that guy and expecting the world to come to you or expecting your life to be better or expecting like, hey, something should have happened to me better than now. I think it's so much more about, you know, you you kind of pick up the burden that's been allotted to you in life and you carry it and you get strong for it. You know, I, I think that um, now is the time for, you know, each one of us as humans we have, like, anytime you see a motivational movie or anything like that, you get those epic scenes or the speech that breaks the internet kind of thing. It's always about the overcoming of the human spirit because I think that's something that all of us can relate to. You know, that you, you hit us, you knock us down, and, and what we do with what we've been dealt is all of it. Oh, yeah. You know? So, I, like, I'll, I'll harken back to my old... I, think very few people at this point know anymore but like my old cowboy days in another life you know um if you're competitively doing something stupid like bull riding right i don't know how much you guys are familiar with bull riding the way they score it do you know how they score bull riding um it, i mean it's by the amount of time you stay on the bull right well you you have to stay on eight seconds in order to get a score but you're judged on your performance on the bull it's pretty cool the way they do it you get, so the 100 points is perfect score, right? And 50 points are on the Bulls' performance and 50 points are yours. Hmm. That's what I think makes up that, that sport so cool because half of what you're able to achieve 
is completely out of your control. I mean, I suppose you have some control over it. You could try to piss them off a little bit more. Yeah. You know? But the... <laughs> But it's basically, it's a score of like, well, I, I mean, you only have so much you can do. This, I mean, I grew up with these animals. This is a bull. You could do what you want to him. And You're he's like, like a fly, flea. please. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it really is up to the bull. And I think that that is where we're at. And so and if you, like those cowboys, they're afraid. But they also, from a scoring perspective, want the biggest, nastiest bull. Because he's going to get as close to 50 points for them as they can. Then it's up to them to overcome that. And the more he throws at them and the more they overcome and, and still stay on the full eight seconds, the closer you get to 100%. And I think life for us, a lot of us, and everybody's in a different situation. But I mean, you know, here in America... You have a pretty cush life, you know. I yes. mean, you and I are, oh, are well traveled. We've dude. seen super other cush. things, so we're we're typically riding a, a five or ten point bull here in America. But right now, and this isn't just America; this is global. Now, we're getting fifty points off that bull, so you have the opportunity to fall off and not score at all. You know what I mean? Or you can hang in there and barely survive. Or I think you can look at it and you can say, you know what? It's time to, you know what I mean? Tighten your belt a notch, jump on there and see how close to 100 you can get. You know what I mean? Because these are the times that, that define our lives. There's a lot of moving and shaking and empires being built and crushed right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you were making paper, toilet paper and hand sanitizer before all this happened, you're doing all right right now. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, but, and then other other people, like, for example, in the reptile industry, if all of your income is from reptile shows, and I don't mean your kind of show, well, yours would apply too, but I mean like reptile, you know, sale and show and sale type things. If that was all you did was take your reptiles out and show, and, and you can't do that now. Hurting. Boy, you're in trouble. Big you're trouble. in trouble. Yeah, you're selling all the animals you, you hope you don't have to every year right now because they're the only ones that you can move, you know, the ones that kind of sell themselves. So I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's pretty cool to see the creativity of that people have and also that giving spirit too. You know, you see all these cool things on on the internet and stuff with the social media that we're consuming, just neat things that people are doing for each other. Our neighbors took a four by eight foot sheet of plywood and they painted happy Easter as big as they could. And they put it in their house in front of our yard and they started honking their car horn. They're like, ha ha ha. <laughs> it's just eight foot wide sign. Happy Easter neighbors. You know what I mean? We've and, had some, uh, uh, we so had our first hangout session with our, our neighbors through the fence. Um, and we've met most of the neighbors on this side, but we have neighbors on the other side that don't live on our actual street and they're on the back okay. side. And we went and like, Kind of just sat out and spent an evening just kind of hanging out through the fence. You know, it's a it's a wire fence, so you can see yeah. right through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, nice. I I think that stuff is is cool. Like I said, it's like turning the dial back to the good old days when you actually talk to your neighbors and stuff because you can't go anywhere and talk to anybody else. Well, I, I will know? say that I, this past week, um, the week or the week before, it had an interesting day a couple of days in a row where it was because here it's like that a lot like that and that's what i love about the area that we live like it is that you go to the grocery store you go to the post office you're talking to people online like that that mm-hmm. i've never stood in line at the post office grocery store in our town and not spoken to the people around me like that happens every time 100 percent of the time but i felt i'm feeling a little bit of that people are a little more 
afraid type of thing creeping in. Like there, there was a few experiences with ladies that were like, uh, kind of just, <laughs> there was a fear factor going on. They didn't, they didn't want to, I felt it. I felt it. It was something I hadn't felt around here before. So that it's having a little bit of that effect on people too, that I picked up on anecdotally. And I, I think the more that that kind of stuff creeps in on us, the, the more it is up to us to kind of pick up our share of the load shoulder it and and lean into it you know what i mean yeah and uh really do our part to live life well during these times to help each other to do it too you know i mean i i think like so i maybe i have a different perspective than some people i think a lot of people cling pretty tightly to things life you know everything in general um you know i like when i was a kid i struggled a lot with uh depression and and you know attempted suicide and stuff like that and self-hatred and self-pity and self-hatred at the same time you know it's weird how those two things you're like i hate myself but i deserve more than i have i don't know how that yeah, works i went, I went through but a that, good amount of those emotions as well yeah it's it's funny i and i think we're just it's not even logical it's just you're just becoming your emotions i'll or, tell you this now i've not really said this to anybody before but when i was a kid in, in school i was that kid i didn't obviously didn't act on it but I, I definitely had those thoughts where I was like, I should just come here and shoot this place up. I had those thoughts as a kid in elementary school. I, wow. I had those. Like, I've just mine was, remember having those thoughts. That's crazy. No, mine was never out towards people. It was just me. It was just like, I don't care to exist anymore. You know? And so I did things. I, I always wanted to, like, I was like, you only get one death. So my perspective was always like, don't waste it. Do something crazy and die. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to die, you should at least get in the newspaper in a good way, like more than the obituaries. Like, oh my gosh, look how this guy died. I should win a Darwin Award or something. You know what I mean? So I did a lot of dumb things. I hurt myself a lot. And I'm paying for it now in my, you know, now that I've outlived my life expectancy based on <laughs> the way that, uh, the way that I was living my life. But, um, you know, there is one thing that I realize. I, I realize that, and, and this is, you know, this is kind of the way I see the world. And, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit of, I guess, religion or, or personal beliefs about things. But uh, I do think that we are here for a reason. And I don't think that we always know what it is. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think that it's, there's something terrible and tragic about when somebody takes their own life. There, there's no one ever anyone that was like, now that's a good guy to have killed himself. Yeah, I'm, you know what I mean? That was what was best for him. Maybe the guy was a total douchebag and everyone's happy he's dead. You're like, thank God that guy killed himself. You know what I mean? It, like, I mean, I don't know, Hitler killed himself. So I thought we were supposed to be doing an uplifting podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> what's happening? I don't want to stop you, but. I don't think, I don't think that we, I don't think you can be uplifting without acknowledging, you, you can't, good you point. can't appreciate Continue. the light without. Good point. Acknowledging the darkness. So anyway, for me, and the same is true today. I mean, I, I haven't wanted to kill myself for 20 years or whatever. But, um, you know, for, for me, death is like, finally, it's over. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of my, you know, not like in a terrible way or it's whatever. Slightly, but it, it's slightly morbid. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. It, it, there's a big relief that happens, I imagine. You know, not I get to rest. Been there. It's rest. I get to yeah. rest and I don't have that rest. responsibility. Yeah. However, I woke up this morning for some reason, I, by no control of my own. You think about this. You go lay down at night. You lose consciousness and, and control of your mortality entirely. What wakes you up in the morning? 
Lots of people die in their sleep. How do you know that's not going to happen to you tonight? And hanging, trying to hang on to everything for everything that's worth and to the point of like, you know, if you hang out, try to hold on too tightly to something, you can't really hold anything at all. You know hold what I'm saying? It's kind of that. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's kind of like how much sand can you hold in your hand? If your hand is open, you can hold a big old pile of sand. You close your fist around it and you're not going to have very much in there at all. You know what I mean? You hold too tight. You, you just can't. You just don't have the capacity. So the idea is, yes, death for me at this point is is gain. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. It's like, okay, I can live life. I don't have major regrets. I think that whatever I've done, I've enjoyed. I've tried to do the best that I can. And if I died today, it'd be okay. You know what I mean? I think some people would be sad. I got young kids. I got a wife. I have people that depend on me. Yeah, yeah. But, but my life lived to myself, I wouldn't say, oh, there was that one thing I never did. Oh, there was this one, you know, oh, my life was incomplete. Oh, I had so much more. So when I wake up, I I feel a burden of responsibility to live that day well because it was given to me to do so. And I don't know That's why good, and I don't know who I'm supposed to meet. I mean, before I ever met you, before we ever met at that one Tinley when we went together, you know what I mean? It was like, I don't know why I'm living or who I'm going to impact. I think you and I have had a, a pretty good impact on each other's lives. You know what I mean? But just a few years ago, we never even knew that each other existed. So True. so who's to say you're not going to meet the next Brian Cusco or Garrett Hartle tomorrow morning when you wake up? You know what I mean? And and well, have somebody whose life you can richly impact. In this current situation of not leaving the house, I don't know. <laughs> tomorrow, I don't think I'm going to meet anybody, but... <laughs> But I hear I what you're know. saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and Never it's a good know. attitude to have. Yeah, wake up, do which the most you can with every moment that you're given because it's gonna be gone pretty soon. And I, I think some of it is is perseverance. I think it's it's actually easier to do something like okay, say I'm gonna be a good husband, right, and and uh, sacrifice myself for the the well being of my life. And I don't mean mortally, but just any kind of sacrifice that you make as a husband for your wife. For me, it would be easier to jump in front of a bullet that somebody shot at Ashley and take a bullet for her and die. That's pretty easy. You just got to step to the side. <laughs> you know what I mean? On the other hand, if, for me to work a long day, be exhausted, go home, and then do something like, you know, do the dishes, put the kids to bed, something like that, that's sacrifice for me. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. You know what I mean? But I do that for her because I love her. And to do that every day for 30 years is way harder oh, than yeah. stepping, oh, yeah, stepping to the side. Way harder. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying. But but uh, my thing is, I'm I'm gonna, I'm here. I woke up, so I'm going to be here to do it. I'm not going to decide how long or short my life is. That's one of the beautiful things about our mortality is that we have zero control over it. You just gotta roll with it. You know what I mean. And, it's uh, tough to maintain and, that type of focus for an extended amount of, amount of time for years on end. That's that's just it. But I mean, I've I'm just set my head, you know, in a direction to do it. Like, I'm here. I'm awake. I'm going to do today, and it's going to be hard because life is hard. And then I'll rest when I'm dead. You know what I mean? But yeah. in the meantime, I'll do as much good as I can. That's why I like to teach my kids to struggle while they're young and get used to the idea that there's a lot of struggle in life because the payoff is only there if you do the if you go through the struggle the true payoff if you have things handed to you all day long 
it's just you don't have any appreciation for it. It's the things that you work for that, you know, the things that you struggle for and strive to do. Those are the things that make your life worth living, in my opinion. At least that's how I found it to be. And I think a lot of no, people I think do so. too. And, I, mean, and I think you need to have real talk with them. I mean, I discuss any topic with my kids Same. to the level that they're able to like understand and process for their maturity. But there's no le- there's no topic that's off, you know what I mean, that's off limits. You ask me something, I don't know if I'm going to be here as your dad tomorrow, so I'm going to tell you the best possible answer I can for you at your age and your need to understand about this topic. Same, you know what same. I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah we're, and we were at dinner the other night, and we were talking about whatever it was we were talking about, and I just made some comment like I do sometimes. You know, I, I don't, I speak plain, plainly around my children, and I said something like, "You guys are, they were being crazy. Hillary and all the boys were being crazy, and maybe I was a little bit out of line. I was like, "Oh, you guys are smoking rocks," and Hillary's like, "What do you do? What? Don't say that around our children." I was like, "What? Smoking rocks?" I was like, "Yeah." What? And she's like, and, and she's like, and I was like, "What? What? We can talk about anything here." And so we got in a conversation with Noah. I explained to him what crack was and what that. What, how the reference was that I was making. I wasn't saying that you guys are actually smoking rocks. It's like a, a, fr- a phrase that I use to say that you're being crazy. And But I explained to them the detriment of what actually smoking rocks is, you know, so that he would under- understand and, you know, at least know. Because it's a thing. It's in the world. There's crack out there, and it can ruin your life. And I, I'd like him to the know The scary thing is, and how old is Noah? Seven. Not, okay, I was going to say eight. But um, so... The crazy thing is seven is hopefully a little bit young to be exposed to that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, anything like that, drugs, sex, all those kinds of things, I was exposed to those as a kid long before my parents exposed me to it. They were shocked when they learned that I knew this or that or the other or had experienced things already. I remember my dad uh, saying something when I was like, I think I was like 14 and I was saying something to my mom about this or that. And he he was like, oh, I think you're getting me into a conversation. I'm not ready for it. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. Way, way late there. <laughs> way late for that yeah. conversation. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, that's just it is like, I think if, I think if at the very least, I don't think maybe kids need to know every bad thing they may ever come across in life, but I do think they need to understand that they're going to come across as bad things in life and they will have to make a choice that we are not always going to be there. I guess, I guess the, the parenting difference is this, um, some parents raise their kids where they're like, you're my child and I'm going to protect you to the umpteenth from everything. You know what I mean? Keep you in a padded room and, and silken pajamas or whatever until you're 18. And then, I, and then I've done my best and I'm going to unleash you on the world. <laughs> and then other parents are like, I got you maybe till you're 18 if you don't skip out earlier. So I better make a man out of you as quickly as I can because 18 is, I mean, he's seven and doesn't it seem like he, you were just holding him as a baby yesterday. You know what I mean? Exactly. Seven years He's already almost of halfway daily exposure. Exactly. You don't have the amount of time you've had with them so far. You know what I mean? You you have about that much time again, plus a couple of years maybe. I like to think you know I'm somewhere I'm in the middle. Somewhere in the middle of that. Where I, I do want to protect them from everything. But in my mind, a big part of that protection is preparing them with knowledge and experience to be ready yeah. to handle the world. when they have. To you know, one thing my parents did that drove my sister crazy was they would basically, they had this thing of like, you're allowed to do whatever you want until you make a bad decision and then we'll make a rule against that. 
<laughs> my sister made a lot of bad decisions. So she ended up with things like curfews all the time. Oh, that's right. And Your sister's older than you. I, I was the oldest in my family. No, she's well. young. She's oh, two she's years younger. younger. Yeah. I'm the oldest. I'm what? The oldest. Yeah, I have two. I have a sister that's two years I've, younger. I've than me, met both your sisters. I thought that one of them was older than you. No, I I refer to my older and my younger sister, but it's like gotcha, older and younger, gotcha, the gotcha. two younger sisters. But yeah, so she's the middle child. She was the one that I think had the hardest time growing up. At well, I don't know. Both my sisters are messed up. Bree, Britt, I love you guys. You guys are messed up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I I did all kinds of crazy things that that weren't against the rules, like free handling rattlesnakes or whatever dumb things I was doing when I was a kid. <laughs> but they would do the things like sneak out and go to parties and get yep. loaded and stuff that, like that. that. Was me. So they ended up with things like curfews and all that. And I'd be I was the guy like in high school, I was like, hey mom, dad, I'm going to a party. It's gonna be weed there, but I'm not gonna do it. So can I go? I probably won't be home till like three o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? And there was like, are there gonna be girls there? We're like, yeah, there'll be girls there too. They're like, well don't do that either. All right. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> And they'd be like, all right, you can go. And my sister would be like, what? Can I go out Friday night with my girlfriend? And they're like, no, you're grounded. And like, you know, you that's curfew. You got a nine o'clock curfew. She's like, that is so unfair. And it's like, no, it's not because he's going to go to a party where there's weed and girls and he's not going to do either one of them. And then he's going to come home. You're going to say that you're going out to your friend's house and then you're going to run out and do a bunch of weed and guys. You know what I mean? And so it, they, basically the idea was how much responsibility can you have? I'll give you all of it. If you can stand there and have a, so like me, I had, I had a job. I actually lied about my age when I was 15 so that I could get a job. And uh, it was 17 miles away and I rode my bike. You know, and then uh, I worked till 1 a.m. and I'd ride my bike 17 miles. 17 one way. That's a good haul. It was, well, we lived in uh, Santa Clarita, California. I don't right. know if you're familiar with it. But yeah, yeah. You, not, we drove by your old neighborhood one time. You were pointing out the like rocks and stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's long spaces between things out there. So it was yeah. one of those things where it was like a, a 10 minute drive to the gas station type of deal. So I that's job, I once had a job where I was um, riding about seven or eight miles one way every every day for about you know, I did it for maybe a couple of years um, five days a week and that was good seventeen is like twice that yeah no it I mean it was don't get me wrong it was grueling and terrible oh yeah but, I was in good shape but I'll tell you what I got I got my driver's license I bought my first car like two weeks before I turned sixteen and I got my driver's license the day after I was like I ain't riding a bike no more. You know, but I actually had the money to do it, you know, to go out and buy that car because I, you know, just applied myself earlier. So I don't know. I, I think the idea is like exposing to them to as much as they can handle. And I just don't know if my baby superdoors can handle this much arm hair. <laughs> oh, nice tie in, Hartle. Nice tie in. <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that one coming full circle. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to make a little bit more of a positive one this time. I, but I do think it is something to to think about. And I don't know if you're crazy bull rider or whatever out there, but hopefully the analogy works. Everyone's getting a fifty right out the gate. You survive this, you get a fifty score. Ever in the world, that's pretty good. Because if we're normally riding a, a ten score bull. You may never get to 50. You're already at 50 if you survive this. So thank Man. you guys for listening, surviving this. I, I'm going to uh, say I'm not on 50, bro. 
I'm not I'm not riding a 50 bowl right now. Maybe you don't was, think so? No, maybe I was riding a 10 and now I'm riding a, a 15 or 17 or 20. Well, for, that's for true. me 50. Things... There's no house. There's no house yeah, with 50. I, things, thing, no wife, no, no kids. Car. There's maybe a tent. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. I uh, I just think I think for a lot of people it's it's pretty tough, and I'm sure that it is different. But I think I think globally, you know, that bull's turned to dial up a little bit on all of us. Sure, and sure. So I'm I, not I do think it's it, it's different. It's not just the, your physical state, right? It's just the whole mental. Everything that's been thrown throwing at you mentally is is affecting as well, right? But here's what I'm. Gonna I say. think the if mental you're, thing if you're is in the a biggest. house. If you're living in a house and you have access to the internet, you're doing pretty damn good. It's not that bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's damn true. It's a that's it, the truth that we don't that we we don't look at very often. But it's I'm gonna say it again. If you're living in a house with a roof over your head and you have access to the internet where you can log on and complain about things or praise people for things or just just have access to the internet with a roof over your head, you're not doing that bad. Things are looking up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I that's, agree. I agree. So. I don't know. I hope uh, I hope everyone out there, you know, I think the the mental side of it is probably more struggle. brutal than the physical side of it. Sure. It, yeah. I mean, it, it usually is. So and if you can conquer that, I mean, really, they can throw anything that they want at you. There's there's more inside of you than what you think. You know, we we are made to survive. And uh, I don't know about you, but survive. I will. And uh, oh, definitely. So. I always yeah. thought that everybody should spend a little bit of time um, incarcerated, <clears throat> just a little bit, just so you can feel just like to really have everything taken away and be stuck inside a box. Mm. It makes everything else seem really nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't relate. I, it would be weird. It would be weird. But I know that you know, like for a lot of people, even that is nice. Like, I can't wait to get back on the inside. Yeah. Everything <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, I, cause I think yeah. I've heard stories of guys that have been in there for like, you know, 15, 20 years and then come outside and it's like, oh, put me back in, please. <laughs> I can't mm, handle right. it out here. Yeah, too much responsibility. Yeah, way too much. So, Are you trying to cut us but, off? Are you trying to you trying to end this? Are you trying to go, go to sleep? Is that what's happening right now? You're shutting me down? No. No, so I'm just shutting. I'm shutting down. What else you got to say? <laughs> I I don't. I, I was uh, I was in a big listening mood today. Um, mm. I felt like you had a lot of things to offer, and I, I wanted to listen. Mm, hopefully, it was worth it. Yeah, I I don't have as much to offer right now. I'm just gonna drink some whiskey, and uh, I don't know. I don't I don't have. Uh, I'm just gonna beat the dead horse. I have nothing. I've got nothing to offer anymore. I'm just going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, are you are you? Uh, let's talk about snakes for a second. Is that oh, okay? Yeah, yeah, if please. as long as I don't try to sell super doors, which no right. guarantees, but it sounds like you need to. But uh, actually, we've been doing like everyone's got these stimulus checks, and they're all coming to reach oh, out. Just, just not shipping. Just not shipping. Just not shipping. Gotcha. Selling, not shipping. Gotcha. Uh, but that's animal safe. That's another oh, burden I'm taking on. Three be... animals that are gravid right now. Cool. What did you? What do you got going on? Um, some sunset. Oh, sorry. I've got four animals that are, well, three for sure. And four, maybe, um, going for another Enchi cinnamon sunset this year, which same female, pairing or, same, or same are pairing. you doing the first a visual laid, to her now? No, no. Same pairing. The first year she laid, uh, 
six eggs the second year eight this year i'm thinking she's probably gonna do ten so it'll up the odds i've got another uh clown combo going on the blood python is going through a pre-lay shed right now my girl sangria and then i've got a super fire that i'm pretty certain is gonna be laying some eggs as well which uh would you put the super fire to a uh, super pastel lesser so it'll be all fireflies yeah. and some firefly lessers did you see that crazy leucistic thing that we hatched what? It's oh, on my Instagram, like right now. If you go pull up my Instagram, we wait. Just the, the one that looks like a, um, the one the that black looks like a blizzard. The one that looks like yeah, a, like a blizzard type of thing going on. It's like a black leucistic. Black leucistic. Let me. I might have. So seen basically, it. I mean, you know retics. I don't know if everyone knows retics, but you're talking about super ball python, that a super fire ball. Oh yeah, python. yeah, yeah. That's, this is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, it looks like a um, yeah. ultra. Ivory almost kind of, right? It's an ultra ivory motley golden child, and it's got anery in there just because I like it. But but, um, no, what's cool about that is, so with retics, a motley golden child is genetically an all-black snake, and an ultra ivory is basically an all-white snake. It's got little tinges of yellows in it, and it's kind of like a super fireball python. But that thing... I I just want to see what a black-white snake would do, and it, it did not disappoint. That thing's crazy looking. Yeah, I need to figure out what to name him because I keep call I I keep yelling. I'm like, hey, what you know? What date was that? That salt and peppery thing? You know what? What date was that? <laughs> was that? And I keep describing it differently and confusing everyone. So I put it on Instagram. You guys will have to check it out. Um, it, go ahead and help me name this thing. You know, we're taking suggestions. I think we're gonna take the top three and then make everyone vote, and then we'll just name it whatever the heck you guys think. I need a name for that thing, but it's pretty cool. Looks like an Oreo cookie shake or something. I I want to show you. I'm gonna I'm gonna let me see if I can text you this. This is gonna be I my slower slow a uh, slower year than last year for me as far as uh, eggs oh, go. Really? I believe. Yeah, it was, and it's been like that. So my first year, which was four years ago, I produced four clutches, and then the second year yeah. was two, and then last year was eight, and it seems like this year's gonna be four. So I think I'm doing like a I'm gonna do four, two, eight, four, sixteen. Eight, <laughs> thirty-two, and 32, 32. 30, 30 is 32. the maximum number of clutches I've projected that I want to ever produce in a year. Is about thirty clutches. That's kind of what I want to max out at production. So I'm on my I, way. I I'm a little bit behind, but this might make a few people think that I'm crazy. But so far, I'm on thirty-six for this year, which is pretty crazy. They're not ball pythons either. Some of those yeah. are bigger clutches. Um, let me find this thing. What are you looking for? I want to show you this picture. So one of the cool things, so like people like retic people like to rag on ball Python people all the time. Truth oh, yeah. of the matter well, everybody is everybody likes to rag on ball Python people all the time. Ball Python people especially like to rag on ball <laughs> Python people. But I'm texting you a picture. I don't know if you can see this thing. A while ago, I saw this snake and I was like, that's a cool snake. I want to make it. I think I could oh, make it. It looks a, a lot like the snake that you... Uh, Doesn't it look exactly like, like the snake it's like I the just reverse. had? It's like the reverse. Yeah. It's like you got the, the speckles on top and the white on the sides instead of yeah. white on top and speckles. Well, that on one side. has... I, I suspect that one is probably like mine is on the bottom. I think the gray is just on the sides of this one. Yeah. Whereas mine goes over the top. Yeah. But but I mean, it's pretty dang close. It's really close. So, so I, I think that that was pretty cool. So basically, I mean, you guys have... Not not only more morphs, and the funny thing is, most of your morphs, like in retics, people would never even consider it a morph. You know what I mean? Like, like things like Enchi, like there's probably 
56 inchy retics running around out there that people are like look at this funky one you know what i mean it's, it's not a morph that's a funky one you know what i mean yeah but uh because you were just a little bit less developed but you guys have gotten to the point where you're like you have a few morphs then you have a lot of morphs then don't, you've done every don't, bo- don't say you guys to me like you're on the other other side <laughs> of some fence you guys, I've Yins, got, Yins I've got guys all kinds over of there. Species over here that I'm going to read. I'm not a. I'm not a you guys to you, Mister Hartle. Uh, you guys, okay. These guys over here is the guys who have literally never bred a ball python. That's me. I like when people ask me advice about breeding ball pythons. Like, are you kidding me? You can ask that advice to literally everyone in the industry, and you're asked the one guy that's never bred them before ever. Okay, all right. Con- con- commence with the you guys talk. You guys who breed ball pythons have gone to the point where you've put everything together to the point it just looks like a yellow banana and then you've backed off it and you're like okay let's put the right things together i think the right three genes would be better than the wrong six genes you know yeah and so and so it's really been kind of it's That's kind of like re- uh not yet everyone's right. still trying to put everything together mm-hmm. yeah oh. so you know what's What's funny is like out of this clutch, I got one. So like I'm not a big fan of Golden Child, like just patternless because brown it, snake. Is it power overpowering as well? Yeah. Well, it just yeah, they just there's nothing left on it, and it's brown. You know what I mean? You take a beautiful. It's like a champagne. Multicolor. Pipe. Yeah, I don't know why. I kind of like champagnes, but I don't like uh, the. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I just personally don't like them. Motley Golden Child's cool because now it's black, right? And then it. Another cool combo, like probably one of the prettiest two gene combos, kind of like a bumblebee ball python, would be like a platinum tiger retic, right? Beautiful. Bright yellow, black, gorgeous. So in this clutch, I made a motley golden child platinum tiger, which sounds like it would be cool, but you have two genes lightening it up and two genes darkening it down. And what you end up with is a snake that looks exactly like a normal golden child. Hmm. It's like you put so much stuff in there, it all just cancels itself out. Yeah, yeah. That's like... so. So if you put the my life. right, but but people are always like, oh, let me get that. That's a Molly Golden Platy Tiger, and I'm like, are you serious? Because that just looks like a Golden Child. It's like, you know, I have to add an extra zero to the price because of everything that's in it. You really want that? Like, well, there, you know, you know what? Yeah, it's breeding potential to be able to pass on those different genes. That's that's breeding potential at. is is one thing, but basically. Um, yeah, I so what I do is I look to the ball python world for inspiration. They're like, oh, what kind of cool morphs do they have? You know what I mean? And then I go, wow, that's really creative. Like the way those genes all played on each other. And we don't have the same genes in retics. Like this animal that I'm showing you here, I believe that is a Mojave GHI champagne. I think that's what that is. So Mojave GHI champagne and retics would be like... Uh... Motley Golden Ultra Ivory now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so what i'm saying is there's different genes we actually probably have those same genes i would say champagne is very much like a golden child so right? phantom phantom i believe is like uh the lesser phantom is like a mojave yeah or a yeah, lesser like a mojave yeah we actually have phantom in the same complex as mojave right yeah. so there's a straight across ghi i don't think we have anything quite like a ghi maybe the motley golden combo mm, maybe the maybe that ocelot or the the rainbow thing mm, i don't quite. think so that's 
that's like a recessive pattern mutation. GHI has the pattern element, but it, it really makes a lot of black. There's nothing in retics that like adds large black areas to things. Oh, what about uh, um, anthrax? Me, I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think it adds. That just kind of shatters the pattern around. Yeah, you know. But, but at any rate, I'm I well, I mean, so that's the thing is like if even if you did have an equivalent in retics, the snake would not come out looking like that. But I was able to find genes to accomplish that look, and I got really dang close. And I don't, I'm just smiling over here because the whole time everyone's like, "That ain't gonna work." You, you know, the leucistic will just wash it out. It'll just look like a lame white snake. You know what I mean? It's not gonna, it's not gonna have all this interplay of color and contrast. And I was like, "Well, I don't believe you. It I think it might matter look cool." What you're doing, man? Somebody is gonna say that'll never work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Well, I like uh, there's a famous quote by Nelson Mandela. He says, everything was impossible until somebody did it. <laughs> right. And so I'm just here making the impossible possible, I guess. But no, I my point was like I just went on a rampage two generation mad scientist project where I didn't make any money on anything. And I was like, ha, I got it. You were wrong. I was right. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, congratulations, uh, I, sir. I just like it. I have someone that wants to buy them. I think I just go ahead and sell them now i'm done i did it it's true it worked <laughs> <All So. right. laughs> but the works. funny thing is it's not even a combination that's it's not like some rare gene that did it it was just a creative use of common genes that can be found in pretty much any retic collection i mean the annery is a, probably the rarest part of the of the combo and it, it definitely makes the whites stand out but if the annery wasn't there that that gene probably has the least impact on it so it's just motley, golden child, and platinum, hmm. put put together in the right way, you know. Interesting. And you can make a snake super like interesting. That. And, and Anne is the the least effective, but the only recessive in that combo. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it would still look like this. It would just be kind of like a yellowy snake instead of the stark white, you know. So I think the Anne really polishes it off, but it's also the hardest to put in there, so to get all those other genes on top of it. Right. I'm definitely less of a mad scientist than most people at this point. I think when it comes to, to breeding stuff, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't think I ever would have done a project like that if I didn't already have other projects going on that, you know what I mean, to produce the stuff that I know I want to make, that I need to make. This is like a pet project, you know. So you have to have... Oh, I've a got a certain amount got of that. excess. I've got that. I've got an idea of what I, yeah, I've had one that I've had in mind since I first decided I wanted to breed ball pythons. I'm still going for it. I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I didn't say what this one was until I had eggs in the incubator, you know? So, and then I told everyone, I'm trying to make this. And everyone's like, that's nah, not going to make that. And I was like, ah, it did. <laughs> Sucks for you. <laughs> But it was a fun breeding. There was a lot of cool stuff in that clutch. It was like 50 shades of gray in Superdorf retakes. <laughs> and the other funny thing is like, you know, people make, ball pythons are even more so than retics, but people are making world's first combinations all the time. With what I do with the Superdors, it's more about refining the bloodlines. So like I might just be working on something like albinos for 20 years just to get them smaller, you right. know. So there's not a lot of room for making world's first combos in Superdwarf 
bloodlines. Right. But these are. They're 50% super dwarf and 12.5% dwarf. And I made a new combo. So it's like, ha, <laughs> made a new combo. You know? <laughs> and it's like, you guys can do it. And then you can breed it to super dwarfs. And you can take two more generations to breed those back to each other. And I don't know. It's just fun. It's just cool. Oh, yeah. That's so. the that's A1 number reason to do anything. It's fun. Yeah. And that that's just it. I have to still do stuff like that because a lot of the stuff that I do is is the stuff that's like, you know, I do it because I have a specific bent and a direction and, and everything, but like I wouldn't do it as much like what how many clutches did I just say I was like 36, 36 clutches in. I wouldn't do 36 clutches if I wasn't like making a living doing this. You know, the I mean the market for them is great. I'm trying to make clutches of stuff that people are really wanting and unavailable for most places but this kind of stuff is what really gets it just a couple of those weird projects that you think would be cool but maybe they'll be totally lame and then the for me the locality stuff just getting all the those localities of island stuff and keeping those things pure that's that's what does it for me we keep it going man we're all excited to watch watch you work your magic over there yeah yeah well, that's. I, I think it's funny the different types of people there are because you're working your magic from the other side, and your magic is just comes out of whatever you do. You're shaving your balls and making it magic. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm tell you what, it sure feels like magic <laughs> with the vlog channel and all that kind of stuff. I just think it's kind of cool. It's like you have people like I don't know. I think like industry people look at YouTube people all the time. And they're like, I can't believe this guy makes a living doing that. He, what does he even do? He's doing nothing. And, he, and people are paying him money for it. I'm over here working in a mill or I'm doing a, you know what I mean? I'm like, got some some kind of, you know, I, I hope I'm in the union so I can get good wages and, and benefits. And this dude's over here buying Lamborghinis to YouTube it. I don't know. Or in your case, selling Toyotas. <laughs> selling Toyotas to do what he does. <laughs> I'm gonna sell the other car too, so I can do more stuff. <laughs> I'll just walk everywhere. <laughs> you can finally get in shape. You can eat all the ice cream you want. Yes, I had a pint last night. And I had a pint today. <laughs> oh my gosh! I know it's a little ridiculous. I don't do that well, every you day. I promise. Before we started this podcast, I ate one of those cinnamon roll, the sticky bun things. Oh yeah, from that's a good one. Ben Scott. Huh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. Oh, oh not an actual ice cream. cinnamon roll. Gotcha. An actual, like, so, like, you know, Scott, the, yeah, bre- the bread, bread yeah. guy, cinnamon bread guy comes to, from the, fifth the generation only bakers, food right? vendor at Tinley. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he's always like cooking up a bunch of French toast for everybody or whatever. I so, love Scott. Dude, yeah. Scott's an awesome dude, man. He is. He is. He was very concerned when I decided to become vegan. <laughs> and he came down, and he had a talk with me, and he's like, I'll support you in whatever you want to do, Garrett. But only if you make an exception for fifth generation bakers. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'll make an exception for your bread products, but otherwise I'm a vegan. And so I was. <laughs> and whatever meat that somebody happens to shove in my face, I'll make an exception there too. And <laughs> Well, that was. Yeah, you were there for one exception in three years. <laughs> Sue me. Mm, yeah, one, he that says. That was pretty funny. I'll just, mm, sushi yeah. is not vegan. You, you guys, you know why, you know, oh, well, sushi's my other exception. <laughs> the, the egg, fish, and meat-eating vegan, Mr. Garrett Hartle, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nah, vegan is a pretty bad word for it, actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Especially uh, for uh, people uh, who are vegan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny is like, I, I think when you're non-vegan, you think, oh, you're vegan and you like Google the rules and like you do that. But actually everybody I know that's a vegan, they kind of like define their own. So like there's certain things that are vegan. Like for example, hold on, honey. hold on. Let me tell you what. Oh, honey. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Honey. And the, the crazier one that I heard, not crazier, but like what's actual factual, I guess. Mushrooms also. No mushrooms, no beer because of the yeast. That's like the hardest core vegan you can go is no honey, no mushrooms, no beer. And that, that's yeah, when you're like the most you're hardcore. You're saying because those vegan. things are not Living animals. Yeah, based. they're not plants. They are fungus. Yeah. Or the bacteria. So. <laughs> no bacteria <laughs> that's when you know you're a true vegan when you stop consuming bacteria <laughs> i don't eat, i don't need anything that casts a shadow <laughs> oh man no but bas- basically everybody like you know d- has their rule because like you can you can be a vegan but still use like your leather belt or whatever oh you know, no you can't stuff, so you can't even no, cook meat. You no. can't even cook vegetables on a pan that's been used to cook meat before. Don't even. Well, think about I suppose. It. I suppose that's and that's the other thing. So, but but what I'm telling you is, if you actually do go hang with vegans, you know everyone has their different things. So it's kind of funny when you go to a vegan get together. You have to like be careful not to piss off the other vegans. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because you're like, you know what I'm saying? Because like, there's the types. There's the types. Like we'll go to good vegan restaurants. And then there's vegan restaurant. There's like places that have vegan items on the menu. And those ones are always tricky to navigate. Cause like, for example, if they cook chicken nuggets in the same fryer that they cook the French fries in, you, they're not technically vegan anymore. And people won't do that anymore. But some people do eat that stuff. They're like, well, that's just crazy. So there are a know, lot of ideals so. behind veganism that I fully stand behind. Well, I, and I think that's actually why there's a lot of different reasons for doing it. You know, like my my reason for doing whatever the heck you want to call it, we'll just call it heartalism. My reason for heartalism is, now that's not accurate because most heartals do not ascribe to my <laughs> methods. Animals, right? Just because animals. It's, yeah, it's not. I mean, like I'll go kill 300 rodents at a time, feeding them to my collection. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not like oh, the individual point. animal thing. It's more of uh, not wanting to Factory support farms. Agri- agricultural. Sure. Yeah, the Industrial big agricultural agriculture. stuff. Sure. So my thing was always uh, go out and it, harvest. It was gonna be, it was gonna be. Uh, it's more self-sustaining than anything. So if I hunted or fished, I would eat that stuff because I took personal responsibility for the life of an animal that had a natural existence. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Um, and I was there at the end for the animal, all that kind of stuff. And so that's that's what we do. Um, otherwise, you know, you say vegan, I can eat anything that's vegan and, and what I did was good. And then I, I made an exception for sushi because sushi is a major way of life for me. And I live in Pittsburgh and I don't eat sushi here cause gross. So like <laughs> I go to California. Sushi I ever had was in Las Vegas. It made no sense. Yeah. I've heard that. I'm skeptical. I think but. they had it flown in fresh or something, man. It was, I, I still go back. It was at the Hard Rock, this restaurant in the Hard Rock uh, Hotel. It was incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and I'm talking yeah, about like, I do sushi. This. I'm not talking about like some masterfully crafted, like it was just a piece of tuna belly. Like, 
no rice, oh, no, just well, a piece of maybe, tuna belly. And I, I was mean, like, damn, like the best like bluefin toro. Yeah, oh, toro. I mean that stuff. Yeah, that stuff's the, that's the good stuff. But but anyway, yeah, sushi was a way of life. Scott blah 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 made me you know make exceptions for the cinnamon bread, but I don't eat a ton of it. I just don't you know abstain from it. And then uh, you know every now and then I'll. I've too been too busy for the last few years, but I go archery hunting or something, fishing. All right, dude, I can't, kids. I can't do this virtual hangout anymore. I've got, I've hit the point of whiskey where I like, I need somebody to sit with me and drink it, and you're just sitting here on a screen. <laughs> this is the second one in a row. This is the first time we've recorded two podcasts in a row away from each other. We did the last one and this one. We've never done two in a row. Uh, separate. Yeah, I don't really like it. No, I don't like it either. I mean, I've enjoyed location myself sponsors. for the past hour and a half, but uh, I, uh, yeah, location sponsors. We'll go in the middle of a field. I'll, I'll sleep in a shed <laughs> and uh, go into the middle of a field. Oh, I guess we have to get on an airplane to get there, huh? Or are we going to drive? Well, you know, the crazy thing is we had a bunch of location sponsors lined up, but they I most know. of them, most of them, with the exception of, I think, two, were like based around reptile shows, right? which all got canceled. So, right. So if you want us to come podcast from your living room when all this craziness is over, hit us up somehow and uh, location sponsor us. Brian Cusco and I will come podcast from your living room. It'll be good. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Heck of an well, experience. We'll check in next month and we'll see where we're at. Good place that. for that stimulus money to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hold on to it until you never know when you need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never know when you need us out there. That's it. Hey, buddy. It was good talking to you. You too, man. Thank everybody for listening out there. I appreciate you guys. Take care of yourselves. You know, keep looking on the upside. Aroha. Mm-hmm.